This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Some of us pump, and some of us slump. Joining me, per usual, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. You crazy if you think I'm going to walk up some dark alley with a loud orange hat on my head and a whistle. What's up? Not much. Just uh, getting over being sick again. (laughs) Got the flu this time. Followed up COVID with the flu. You know what I, I heard on the uh, local news a couple of weeks ago was that we're in the middle of a tridemic. Mm. Haven't heard that term. COVID, the flu, and uh, RSV. RSV. So there's a, a tridemic mm. going around, and then you should get <laughs> as many get get as many vaccination shots as you can. So you could get the flu shot. You could get boosted. What can you get for RSV? Nothing? I don't know. It's Only kids get RSV. They say that all kids get RSV before they turn age two, according to the doctor I was talking to. Uh, It's just, you know, bad now because everyone was locked down forever. So kids' immune systems suck. (laughs) There's no immunities. Yeah. Because, Because they... Didn't the whole social distancing thing and shutting down, wasn't that based off some like middle school research paper or something? Uh, I believe the the six foot rule was. <laughs> it was some like uh, science project or something or other. Yeah. From a grade schooler and they're like, let's go with this. That's the same reason why they got rid of plastic straws. <laughs> <laughs> they said that the, like some high school or wrote a paper that said that there are oh it was it was like 500 million plastic straws uh disposed of every day in the united states or something like that so it was like it was almost like two per person it was just this ridiculously inflated number yeah and and like (laughs) like no that's not that's not the case and uh I don't know. I don't understand how the straws get into the ocean in the first place. Like, who's putting them in the ocean? Well, not from Minnesota. The people around here, you know, especially in some of the, I guess, more enlightened areas of the metro area, you know, they do raise the plastic straws, saving the ocean. I'm like, this this shit ain't going in the ocean. Maybe in a, you know, I'll give you maybe the lake nearby. I'll give you that maybe, but it's not going in the ocean. But even so, how's it getting to the lake? I threw it in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I liked too that uh, they banned plastic bags in like Minneapolis, uh, and then during COVID, they said that they don't want people bringing their own bags to the store to contaminate everybody else's stuff. So mm-hmm. they had to bring the plastic bags back. <laughs> Because it well, was more they, sanitary. I don't think they ever banned them. They they charge you a, a, a nickel for each one you use. It was something like that. Either well, they wanted people to bring their own reusable yeah. bags. Um, so the kiosk, they, it'll 
like if there's a target near uh, the theater I work at and you, when you purchase an item, it'll say, how many bags did you use? <laughs> so I guess you could just lie and say I used zero. zero. I brought my own or whatever, but put it one or two, you, you know, put in two, you got to pay 10 cents. That's what they call poor person tax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is indeed. Just like raising the price of gasoline while subsidizing electric vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that benefit? I saw some article about, um, I think the current administration offered some sort of tax credit for people who buy new electric vehicles. Yeah. I think it was something like $40,000. Is it? And then I heard uh, GM raise the prices of their electric vehicles by $40,000. You don't say. (laughs) Those wily corporations. Oh, how dare they pass the extra tax burden onto the consumer. (laughs) Just real quick. We we shouldn't get too political. We're going to lose our base, who is very... (laughs) uh slanted in one political uh mm-hmm. opinion yep <laughs> i don't know i don't know who our base is <laughs> not that it's probably people like us but you're right we don't want it to get too political we got to be talking movies let's watch this movie not watch this country collapse <laughs> today is another recently seen episode it's been a while it's been a minute since seems like it yeah we, you and i pretty much both had covid you allegedly had covid and i literally had covid <laughs> yours is just confirmed yeah and my entire family and then uh, a couple of weeks later i got the flu and um that's basically why everything's been so late this should have been you know we recorded the zolly i mean we had postponed recording the zolly until early november and then that took forever to come out because I was sick forever. I'm still, I'm going to be clearing my throat a lot and have to do a lot of editing this episode. Never had so much mucus <laughs> in my throat uh, ever. Usually you got to edit out my throat clearing. Yeah, it's going to be uh, opposite. Coming up, we're still going to do student bodies. I promised you we'd do that. One of those Latin Trekker Dale. So we Joe student bodies. I think we're going to record that next week which is probably this about the time this episode will be released. It's probably <laughs> going to take me well. Maybe this weekend. Uh, today's the 30th of November. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to do student bodies. And then uh, hopefully going to be recording an episode with Zolly again on Batman Re- Returns for our big Christmas episode. He uh, is currently under the weather with the Rona. Yeah, if you follow him on Twitter... He, you know, he tested positive. Mm-hmm. You also know he's been boosted like six times, so <laughs> <laughs> he's doing all right. <laughs> yeah, he. I believe he seems his to last update okay. was, "Pizza is coming." <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much free stuff he gets when he posts. Because uh, he always tags where he gets his food from when he posts on there. Yeah, punch I wonder, pizza. <laughs> I wonder if he ever gets free stuff from them. I wonder if he ever gets anything from Paramount or Warner Brothers or, you know, uh, Vinegar Syndrome. He's always tweeting at these companies that, you know, he always buy, he buys multiple Blu-rays and 4Ks every week. My my understanding is that 
uh, he is not allowed to buy movies through Shout Factory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Criterion's next on that list. Because <laughs> he, uh, I don't know. I, apparently, there are several Blu-rays or 4Ks where he reported issues with the uh, the product that the Shout Factory put out, and they had to mm-hmm. do a recall or a, a disc replacement. And apparently, they didn't appreciate his uh, diligence <laughs> in reporting these issues, <laughs> and so he's no longer allowed to buy movies from them. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's the case uh, from from what I've seen. Would not surprise me online. <laughs> no, I know he's had similar issues with Criterion, although I don't think he had to report those. Those were just widespread issues. With yeah. uh, I believe the the Citizen Kane 4K, and there's one or two others that uh, there was problems with the discs, and they would send out the replacements. Yeah, but yeah, uh, get well soon, Zelly. Hopefully, you can uh, come back in time for Batman Returns. So. Uh, today you completed the movie challenge for evil dead did you want to mention before we jump into things oh. uh our, our other christmas treats to yes. the uh the listening audience yes i think we're going to take you know a, a break even though we haven't been putting out the most content as of late due to various ailments but it being the christmas season and the fact that we're only giving you one new christmas episode uh, we're going to repost some of our older episodes, dig down deep into the archives and pull out a couple of winners. I've already lined up uh, Eyes Wide Shut, which I did with Alex, the infamous Alex Jones, <laughs> the uh, former co-host of the show. The one that recognizes <laughs> that Sandy Hook was real. <laughs> yeah, he's the one. He does Allegedly. not own he does not owe three billion dollars to anybody. <laughs> he does not. Um that we're aware and, of. And there's an episode uh with Alex again and you in which we discuss Jingle All the Way, the infamous Jingle All the Way episode. Oh my god. That might be our best episode ever. It's your like, favorite. I don't know if it's our best. Like, it's not definitely not our best. <laughs> but it was the most fun. It might be the say, most maybe fun. it was the most fun to record. Yeah, it's right. It's right at the top. And it's I mean, it's from like 2016. So it's uh, mm-hmm. I was still pretty new to the to the show at the time. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's one that's always stuck with me as uh, one of the ones that, you know, when people ask me, what should I listen to? That's the one I say, go listen to Jingle <laughs> all the way. Uh, yeah, these episodes, those two were from the same season, Christmas season. And they were around episode 70-ish. So these are almost, these are about 200 episodes ago. And a lot of platforms, they only go back 100 episodes. Yeah. So it'd be good to uh, uh, repost some of those eps. There's a lot of, I'm sure a lot of our new listeners haven't uh, delved deep into our archives. They're very different episodes because Eyes Wide Shut is a very, it's a very good deep dive analytical take on Stanley Kubrick's eyes about shut. And then our <laughs> jingle away episode is mostly about the ins and outs of mall of America and the Minneapolis, uh, downtown area. A lot of Arnold impressions and, uh, whether or not Jake Lloyd's character is autistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I always forget that I, I really hammered that point home <laughs> until I listened to the episode again. Every time I'll go back and listen to it, I, I'm like, man, I really, really was pushing that autistic angle. You were very adamant about them being autistic. In and I don't think it character. occurred to me. I, I think it just occurred to me as we were recording that this kid has all the symptoms of being autistic. <laughs> so I think you missed the forest through the trees. Should realize it was just shitty acting by Jake Lloyd. Well, everybody else is like, oh, he's such a shitty kid. I hate him. He's such an <laughs> asshole. Like, dude's got a condition, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Have a little sympathy. You're the asshole. His dad's you working ableist, on dude. His dad is working on Christmas Eve during the Christmas party. Since he's, slinging he's, mattresses. He doesn't have time to go shopping for your doll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, you got to listen to that episode if you haven't heard it. It's, I think you'll really like it. That you will. So, yeah, I'll be looking out for those. I might also post a New Year's episode. We did Terror Train one year. It was probably the following year. I feel like Terror Train has uh, gained popularity in recent years also. Yeah. Just in general. We were kind of on the forefront of that. Mm. We were, sure were we were ahead of the curve. And then <laughs> nobody listened to our episode. And now people are starting to watch the movie. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> At least it seems that way. And Terror Train has come up quite a bit with some of the movies we've talked about over the last year. And it's uh, similarities with other uh, killers of the early 80s. Yes. <laughs> that is true. So yeah, go out and watch Terror Train and listen to the episode. And it's got everybody's favorite, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. The best Jamie Lee Curtis is coked up Jamie Lee Curtis. Before she was cool mom, Jamie Lee Curtis. And before she was bitter old lady, Jamie mm-hmm. Lee Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> Live, laugh, love. Jamie Lee Curtis is introducing declared <laughs> after Halloween ends. Uh, I just remember being introduced to Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, you know, being on like the kids choice awards and stuff like that just trying to fit in with the cool kids and sure dude you're in your 40s doing activia commercials get out of here (laughs) it's your fucking short and sassy haircut i was introduced to her by uh tv edits of trading places oh yeah you know i never saw the real jamie until much later (laughs) But that and then True Lies, which I'm pretty sure I think my parents did make me leave the room, even though she doesn't get naked. Yeah. But once she starts really dancing with the lingerie, it was too much for a nine-year-old Eric. <laughs> <laughs> they made me leave the room, but I had seen enough. I don't you know? think I'd seen any of her movies till much later. I was just like, I would see her pop up on stuff, like trying to fit in with the much younger generation. And like, God. Get this old lady out of here. <laughs> it's like Madonna showing up now, you know, wearing her fucking SM uh lingerie to perform at the MTV Awards. Were you yelling at your TV screen? Get Jamie Lee out of here. Bring in Summer Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Summer Sanders knew her role. Like she <laughs> she knew what to do. Like she wasn't trying to be anything she wasn't. She was looked up to by every young boy and girl in America. She's an Olympian. Yeah. 
Olympic medalist, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yes, that that rings a bell. As a swimmer, right? Yes. But enough about Summer Sanders and uh, what was the what was the name of the game show? Just quickly, it was like I forget. You're supposed it was, to guess something. Um, it was like what's my line or whatever. That it was like the old game show where uh, you had to guess what the the person's uh, talent was or whatever. Well, now it's really gonna bug me. So here. Oh, I don't like how they changed the. Uh, format of the imdb desktop site <laughs> why can't i find figure it out figure it out but where i don't see it on here it's on under her. self it's under self what year oh there it is 97 well, that, well that's what threw me off it has that weird uh chris harbick looking dude on the front what the fuck is that jeff soup soupin 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 no idea who that is must have taken over for summer i didn't know that was still a show although it says it ended in 2012 if you vote for summer it'll be summer all year round (laughs) all right well let's get into it what did you see clarice what did you see as i said you completed the movie challenge for evil dead so i will go first yeah, that's how it works. It's been so long, I forgot. Maybe the next time I challenge you or the time after, I'm going to challenge you to Nymphomaniac 1 and 2, you know, double feature, kind of make up for the lost challenges, or I should say the challenges that were stolen from me. Were they, though? The yeah. only missed, like, one. You challenged me twice in a row. And then, like, no, in, the between, no, in the middle of that, Stu, Stu challenged me. Because Stu had a challenge in there. Yeah. But I didn't challenge you. There was like three in a row then. Why well, you challenged me? I challenged Stu. I don't remember, or maybe I forget how it worked out. <laughs> Anywho, the last Lars von Trier movie I watched uh, made me physically ill. Well, you're gonna see a lot of semi porn <laughs> when I challenge you to watch that. I'll try not to eat a pizone before watching it. I think I'll be nice and just challenge you to watch the theatrical cuts which are still unrated but there's like a real unrated cut that's an extra hour combined with because like what volumes one and two theatrical is about four hours and the director's cut is about five hours i'm not made of time eric (laughs) (laughs) you will be for five hours you're challenging me to a five hour (laughs) movie i told you i'm going to challenge you to the four Plus, I don't know. There's a couple of scenes. I don't know if you. It's you know like an Antichrist situation where you probably you can't you can't eat a pizone before you watch it. I'm gonna find something that you're really gonna hate to watch, too. <laughs> but it's gonna be something stupid. It's not gonna be something like that because I know yeah, you but like you liked Antichrist. Why? Well, I, I thought it was uh, a really well-made movie, but I I wouldn't say I liked. It. <laughs> like, like it's a. It's it's technically a good movie, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, I got to go watch that movie. <laughs> I think I gave it a last resort. I, I can't remember. I think you gave it eventually. You just no, I think I gave it a last resort because yeah, I mean, me... you're going to revisit it eventually. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> All right. Well, 
I'm up first. So I'm going to talk about 2022 film, which was in theaters, but I saw it on Netflix. Blonde. See, that wasn't at AMC, so it doesn't count as in theaters. Well, it was at my theater, so. I couldn't, it wasn't included in A-list, so it doesn't count. <laughs> there was no AMC showing it? Not that I, no. I didn't even see a trailer for it. Hmm. I think most of them play at the um, uh, Marcus. I think Marcus gets most of the Netflix ones. Sure. All right. Well, uh, directed by Andrew Dominic, starring Anna de Armas, Lily Fisher, Julianne Nicholson, Tig Runyon, T-Y-G-H. Is that Tig or a tie? Tie. Michael Dreyer. Sarah Paxton, Ryan Vincent. I think they'll do it for cast. Synopsis, a fictionalized chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe. So this movie was very controversial when it came out. Rated NC-17. Critics did not like it. Most people did not like it, (laughs) from what I gather. It was not highly rated pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Uh, the director's done some things that I've liked. Uh, Killian Softly was pretty solid, I thought. He also did the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which was very good. Um, I've never, have you seen Chopper? I've never seen Chopper. No. 2000 with Eric Bana. Put him no. on the map. Back when I think he was still telling jokes. I haven't seen any of those movies you listed. Oh, really? No. Is that Brad Pitt joints? I thought Killing Them Softly got panned. No. I, I remember seeing got a I remember seeing the trailers for it, but then I, I thought it got really bad reviews for some reason. No, or maybe I mean, it just maybe it just bombed. Maybe that was it. Yeah, it did not do great at the box office. But critics at least thought it was decent. It was it was not much maligned, uh like blonde. Assassination of Jesse James was very heralded. Yeah, I remember that one being a, a big uh, critical hit. I think he got Oscar nominated, didn't it? I believe so, yes. Um, so this one, Blonde, oof, it was a chore to get through. <laughs> Can't emphasize that enough. It is, well, it's two hours and 47 minutes, which I generally don't care about long run times. They don't really bother me. Sometimes I prefer longer durations for my films but uh yeah this was just oh it was it was a rough watch it it's highly stylized there's certain things i could kind of like or get into a little bit but it was few and too far in between it's basically just her being exploited for almost three hours it's like yes i get it uh, uh that's what happened it's no uh secret that uh she was exploited in different ways throughout her life, but uh, I didn't think he had to hit us over the head with it for two hours and 47 minutes. I guess I would have liked a little more subtlety or maybe just a quick scene of her just having a, a decent time. <laughs> just, you know, where she's not having a rough go. I, th- I think I do remember there would be one or two scenes where she does like smile and she's kind of, she's happy. Mm-hmm. Like with uh, one of her, um, when she gets married, Arthur Miller, played by Adrian Brody. I didn't mention that in the cast. He's in here. 
Arthur Miller, right? I'm thinking of the wrong or the right guy. Bobby Cannavale is also in here. He plays, uh, I think he's plays, he played Joe DiMaggio. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah, they, they don't even have the, the names here. It's Adrian Brody is credited as the playwright. <laughs> well, that and, sounds like Arthur Miller. Yeah, and Bobby Cannavale is the ex-athlete. <laughs> <laughs> so like, wait, he's DiMaggio, right? But it just hits you over the head with it scene after scene. And I mean, I know it's a fictionalized account, but she had to have a good time, you know, one day out of the year. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about it. Uh, performances are okay. Well, Anna de Armas can't, you can't criticize her because she's everybody's favorite actress. Mm-hmm. She's I, the do, new, I do like her. She's the new Tony Collette. <laughs> Nobody is the new Tony Collette. Will there, and will there ever be a new Tony Collette? No. Going on year number five of Tony Collette should have got an Oscar for Hereditary. Who gives a shit? <laughs> she, no, she didn't deserve an Oscar for Hereditary. Get out of here! Come on, we're we were ahead of the curve on that. I liked I liked that movie, but it's not. It's it's not. It's a little overrated. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do like Anna de Armas. I think she's fine as Marilyn Monroe. She does look quite a bit like her. You know, maybe it's just my uh, growing up, my, uh, how should I say this? My expectations of Marilyn and what she looks like underneath. Not that I'm disappointed in Anna <laughs> de Armas in the least. Ooh, I love to jump on her bones. Mm. That is not the problem. I just thought, you know what? I th- I thought Marilyn was a little thicker. A little thicker. A little thicker. <laughs> Maybe just a little bigger upstairs. You know, I wouldn't. See, that's a uh, Mandela effect. <laughs> Sometimes it's uh, Marilyn Monroe was a size six. And other times it's Marilyn Monroe was a size one. Like, <laughs> it just depends on uh, the Mandela effect and which, which reality we're currently in. Camera adds 10 pounds. Did you, uh, how much, how many Marilyn Monroe movies have you seen? Like, have you seen a lot of her movies? Oh, let's see. No, I have not seen a lot. I've seen, I saw some like it hot back in the day. Uh, what else? Yeah. Some like it hot is like the main one I've seen. Um, if I remember correctly, I think she has a, she's in all about Eve. She has a small role as an actress who is uh, banging a producer to uh, get a movie role. Okay, I think I saw that in college as well. I think that's from 1945 or something like that. Okay, It might be later. It might be 1950-something, but like, it's basically an open secret that actresses are fucking movie producers at that point to get you know, advancing in your, in their career. They touched on that a little bit. There's a, a rape scene pretty early on with uh, like a faceless studio head, basically. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, well, yes and no. I don't know. It's just the things depicted in it, like the JFK scene was odd <laughs> to say the least. Honestly, the way some people talked about the movie Blonde, you'd almost think it was like a remake of I Spit on Your Grave. 
It's like she just gets raped for three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, is is that really all? And then they let the mentally challenged guy rape her. <laughs> he was the fifth guy. They had to, <laughs> they had to wait till they got to, to her house to do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It just seemed like so many things are out of place. Like there were so many scenes of obviously there's you know, it is a fictionalized account, but. Especially the JFK scene, I was like, "That is not how this went down." It wasn't buying it. Yeah, but you know, whatever. It's a fictionalized account. They can they can take their liberties with it. I don't want to get into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and how accurate the Bruce Lee portrayal was, <laughs> but you know, it seemed pretty accurate to me. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's it seemed funny. like there's at least. Uh, like I didn't see any There's at least some evidence. Like, this sounds this sounds this seems like uh what I would expect him to do. Yeah, there's at least some evidence for it. I mean, you know, even though if it doesn't come from his daughter, there's some evidence out there somewhere. Well, the that he was like still that. kayfabe in it, you know, like gotta keep the the uh, legend alive. Yeah. So I mean I could see how people would debate that. But with this one, with blonde, I was just like does anybody believe this is how the scene went down? I don't, I've never heard this ever. <laughs> this is how their relationship was, her JFK? That doesn't seem right. You know what fictionalized biopic you should watch that probably is more accurate? Aileen. I was going to say, don't see Spencer. <laughs> Aileen, the, uh, the movie heavily inspired by Celine Dion's life. They changed the name so they could... Uh, <laughs> take some liberties with it but like the only liberties they take are they wanted to have a scene where he proposed by putting a ring in an ice cream cone <laughs> but like <laughs> everything else is pretty accurate to lead the odds life <laughs> speaking of bruce lee quick uh did you see there's a new biopic in the works at sony yeah i, I think our uh, our friend hunter from the midnight movie cowboys i saw him tweet about it Yes, I'm. I think he posted on Facebook, or somebody did on the on the Facebook group. He was like, "I can't wait till they say that he invented MMA, (laughs) hip hop, uh, had kung fu stolen from him, and yeah, (laughs) like basically, like he's like the superhero that just invented everything in modern pop culture." Well, Shannon's a executive producer on the film because, of course, she is. But it's being directed by Ang Lee, and his son is going to star as Bruce Lee. Ang Lee's son? Yeah. Oh. Do you know who his son is? His no. name is Mason Lee. But you would know uh-huh. him as the friend that they lose in the second Hangover movie. I never saw the second Hangover movie. Okay. Well, that's that's the worst I, of the three. I heard the second Hangover movie was just like the first Hangover movie. <laughs> And I didn't like the first one, so I figured I better not watch the second one. <laughs> and everybody assured me it sucked because it was the same as the first one. And I said, yeah, that, that adds up. The first one sucked, too. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like the first one, but I think it was heavily overpraised. I got sick of it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get why everybody, like, all the critics loved it. It's like, oh, it's a comedy with a plot. And like, well, it, it's not funny. Like, there's no funny stuff in here. It's not a comedy. <laughs> Where are the jokes? <laughs> Zach Galifianakis is the joke. 
See that you, you're always of, talking about speaking you know, of watching autistic. movies with I was to say watching <laughs> movies with autistic people in them. There you go. Yeah, but I don't laugh at Jamie. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Just when he says he knows my name. That's, <laughs> you say, that's the only <laughs> clip you wanted me to get. Some sounding stupid. And you didn't do it. <laughs> well, there's so many, there's only so many uh, stupid Jamie clips I could get. It's like the only clip I asked for, and you screwed it up. I did like when him and his friend were excited for the cat in the hat, though. <laughs> and they high fived. <laughs> cat in the hat. Yeah, high five. <laughs> uh oh, we're so, we're so uh, off just, topic here. Just did quickly, you raid Blonde? Just real quick. No, I'm going to right now as a last resort. That's a last resort. Not never. I may revisit it sometime in the future just because I like the director's other two two movies that I saw. But ugh, it was it was work to get through. Yeah, I've, I've thought about watching it. I always forget that it's out there because I think I'll, once in a while oh, I should watch that movie. And then I, I never like I never go on Netflix. So it's. It's not visible to me, but uh, I forget about it. I should watch it just to complete my, you know, the 2020 movies, you know, see all the big ones at least. But uh, I don't know if I will. Anyways, did I say 2020? I meant 2022. Mm. Of course, you're an A-lister. That's all you're watching is new stuff. Like I said, it it wasn't included in A-list, so it doesn't count. Uh, anyways, let's get on to my first movie. Another 2022 movie called The Menu, directed by Mark, directed by Mark Mylod, starring Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor Joy, Nicholas Holt, Hong Chow, Janet McTeer, uh, Paul Adelstein, John Leguizamo. Amy Carrero, Reed Bernie, Judith Light. You recognize the name Judith Light? Of course. Um, from, yeah, don't tell me. I'm trying to think of it before I look it up here on IMDb. <laughs> uh, God. Oh, who's the boss? Who's the boss? <laughs> yes. Angela. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I forgot Angela. That was like Moda's daughter. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see who else is in here rebecca coon rob yang arturo castro mark saint sir that's probably it's got a pretty good cast in there synopsis a young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises hmm. now this is a dark comedy and it's it's actually really funny. There's a lot of really funny stuff in there. I will say the premise feels really familiar. So basically they get a, a group of people in a remote area, in this case an island, and they think they're there for one thing, and uh, it kind of turns into something else where they're kind of the victims. And, so it's like uh, the hunt. That's one thing. It, it kind of reminds me of The Hunt. It kind of reminds me of Midsummer, mm. where it's like uh, 
they go into this place and the, the stuff starts happening and they, they just write it off as, well, that's part of the culture <laughs> <laughs> when they should be like horrified. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like certain stuff starts happening and it's like red flag after red flag. And they're like, Oh, that's just part of the menu. That's part of the menu. That's just, you know, part of the, part of the whole deal. And uh, so it's, it, it's like I said, it's it seems really familiar. It, it's probably a premise that's been done a, a thousand different ways in movies. Um, but uh, this one, I, I think the, the it's written really uh, cleverly and um, like I said, it's really funny. There's some really like genuinely shocking moments, and there's some uh, unique uh things that they throw in there as part of this multi-course meal and uh yeah i i really enjoyed it one of the better movies uh to come out uh as a comedy i guess for a while um it's it's borderline between eventually and soonish but uh i think i'm gonna go with eventually um but uh it's a High end eventually. Eventually. Okay. I saw a documentary from 2020, Life After the Navigator, directed by Lisa Downs. So it doesn't star, I guess. These people appear in it. Mostly Joey Kramer, Veronica Cartwright, Cliff DeYoung, Howard Hessman. Why? Knew at a young age from this movie and from Head of the Class growing up. Did you ever watch Head of the Class? I don't think so. No. Doesn't ring a bell. Uh, he was on um, WKRP, uh, Police Academy. But yeah. I used to watch Head of the Class when I was about three years old. <laughs> Let's see. Who else is in here? Randall Kleiser. Matt Adler. There's just some random footage of people too, like Chris O'Donnell's in here, but I don't think he, I don't think they interview him. Uh, synopsis. A feature that not only celebrates the 1986 classic Flight of the Navigator, but also looks at the life of its child star, Joey Kramer, and his roller coaster life since that breakthrough role. So, Joey Kramer, like so many child actors uh, did not have an easy go of it had a big problem with alcohol and drugs shocking mainly alcohol but um, got into some drugs too I think he said he never did heroin which was like well, the one drug he didn't do <laughs> that's good for him I he guess. was like he was like he was proud of himself to never either that or was like I never injected it or something. <laughs> it was one of those things <laughs> but he had he's been he was in and out of rehab and even more recently, uh, forget the exact. So this document came out 2020, was made thereabouts. Uh, I think probably right around 2015 or so or 2016, he was arrested for robbing a bank in oh. Canada. And he's uh, from Canada originally, I believe. He's living there. But yeah, uh, runners with the law, substance abuse problems for decades and his career kind of nosedived early on that kind of somewhat led to it 
or helped. <laughs> but, you know, they go behind the scenes of uh, Flight of the Navigator. Are you a, a fan of the film? Never seen it. Really? Oof. So I think that might be one of my uh, picks for movies from our youth this year. It, it never saw it as a kid. I, I think there's been times in recent years where like I'll, I'll put it on my watch list or I'll I've recorded it on my DVR and I just never watched it. Hmm. Is uh is Joaquin Phoenix in that one too? Or am I thinking of something? No, else? Explorers, I think you're is what okay. you're thinking of him and Ethan Hawk. Either way, yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen it. Well, it is tremendous. One of my favorites as a child. I think we had recorded it off of ABC or something like that. But so yeah, you get to see interviews with uh, the cast and crew. Get to find a lot of fun tidbits, behind the scenes stuff, things like that. And then you kind of go through Joey Kramer's life. Uh, what's that? What happened in the interim and his life now? You know, he pretty much lost all of his teeth from his problems. So he has new fake teeth. He's looking healthy now. Yeah. Uh, by I think the by the time the film came out, I think he was. Over a year sober, at least, and maybe two years. So he seems like he's on the right path again, finally, hopefully, you know, for good. But, um, yeah, it just, uh, this movie kind of hit me right in the feels, especially because it was such a, you know, important part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Parts of it were traumatic for me. <laughs> <laughs> You also learn about some of the other films that he appeared in and some stuff that he's not even credited with on IMDb and that he was one of the bullies or like extra bullies in the never ending story. Oh yeah. So, you know, there's that scene, I think towards the end where Falcor is kind of diving down and like the kids are running in the alley, you know, I'm thinking of the main kid is riding them. Yeah. They're kind of chasing after the bullies. Like they're back him. in the they're back in the real world yeah yeah and like i think the bullies like dive out of the way he's like yeah it was me i i dove out of the way of Felcor there that that's me in this scene you know? <laughs> i think they filmed it in vancouver somewhere in canada where he was at the time that's kind of how we got to start but it's just another example in a long list of examples of child stardom gone awry mm-hmm. so it's pretty and, and with uh, the improvements he's made in his life, hopefully long-lasting improvements, you know, it's an uplifting story in that way. And so it was just a combination of things. But, you know, a bit of a problem with my eyes a couple of times. <laughs> Do a blink more took than you, usual. Uh, took you on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Memory lane, you know, things I some memories and things I hadn't thought about since I was four or five years old. Mm-hmm. that sort of thing so i loved it uh if you're a fan of the m- movie you have to watch it it's pretty easily accessible it's available for free on plex tv and tubi so you can catch it there but i will give this a soonish soonish all right so my next movie another 2022 release called bones and all Directed by Luca Guadagnino. I think I said that 
kind of right. It stars. Oh, these are in a weird order. Taylor Russell, Andre Holland, Mark Rylance, Timothy Chalamet. Mm -hmm. Is that how you say his name? Timothy? Timothy Chalamet. David Gordon Green gets to act a little bit in there. Michael Stuhlbarg. Ooh. Well, he was also in Call Me By Your Name, so. Sean Bridgers. Uh, Jessica Harper. Chloe Sevigny is in there. Anyways, I think the cast is listed in uh, order of appearance. Appearance. Anyways, synopsis is Marin, a young woman, learns how to survive on the margins of society. I don't want to interrupt you too much, but this kind of piggybacks off of our conversation at work today. I think this director has the same taste as Sean Taylor Johnson. <laughs> Sam. Is it Sam? I think it's Sam. Sam Taylor Johnson? Okay. That's, well, it's not Sean. I'm pretty sure it's not Sean. That sounds about right. Though. It is Sam. I was thinking Sam. of Sean Taylor got murdered, right? <laughs> Sean Taylor was a football player who was <laughs> yeah. killed in his home. By, Sam uh, Taylor Johnson. Sorry. By a burglar. <laughs> yeah, if you uh, folks at home want to go down a rabbit hole, uh, look up Aaron Taylor Johnson's personal life and who his wife is and how they met. <laughs> I think the directors of her and uh, the director of this film uh, seem to like young scrawny men. The same in taste films. in boys. <laughs> 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 Although Timothy hasn't turned into a Chad yet. He's not all yoked like Aaron is. There, there's a real uh, gratuitous scene in Bones and All that seems like it's just for the director. <laughs> Because <laughs> it doesn't make sense in the the scheme of the the movie, <laughs> like, <laughs> would not surprise uh, me. I'll, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, <laughs> I, that's a kind of where I'll leave it. Uh, you'll probably know it when you see it, and you should see it. Uh, this this movie is uh, honestly like I have a hard time uh, deciding if this is like a good movie. But it's a really entertaining movie, I think. It's uh, it's about cannibals. And it's like, they don't really explain like why they're cannibals. Like, nobody knows why they're cannibals. They just know that they have this need to eat humans from time to time. And so that's kind of like the, the base level of kind of like what's going on in the world with the characters. But it's also a, it's more so a coming of age story and a love story. So it's about a, a young woman who is kind of left to fend for herself. And she decides to take a trip cross country to discover her roots. And along the way, she meets um, other people who are afflicted with her same condition. And uh, some of them are you know, not necessarily the best people. And some of them, uh, and one of them, she, she really grows attached to and they form a bond and a friendship and, you know, he takes along on the journey um, of her self-discovery. 
and it's it's such a bizarre matchup of like subject matter but it's it's really interesting and um i will say there there were times where it started to feel like uh this movie should be over by now but it's keep it keeps going but then like something even more like interesting happens um usually mark rylance shows up and makes things better (laughs) (laughs) and and he is tremendous in this movie this is uh the third good movie i've seen him in this year and uh two of them are are really really good like he was in the the phantom of the open um which i really liked which got no publicity uh, was like in and out of theaters in one weekend mm-hmm. um and it's just a it's a great feel good underdog or underdog story and he's fantastic in there uh and then earlier in the year he had a movie called the outfit where he was a uh a suit maker and um they had some uh organized criminal activity in his shop it was set in the 1950s and that was a pretty solid movie um but i i think his best performance might be in bones and all but it's it's super over the top <laughs> in, in a lot of ways but every time he's on screen it's just like okay this is this is much better than it was like two minutes ago and i thought it was uh starting to drag a little bit and the ending is just uh, the ending is pretty wild I, I will say that so um but yeah i i was hooked like like i said i don't know if it's necessarily a good movie because it's so it, it's it's really kind of bizarre and that it's it's kind of an earnest love story and the uh, coming of age and learning who you are and discovering your past and things like that. But then they throw in this, uh, this cannibal stuff and it's just like throws a whole wrench in everything, but I would recommend uh, people go see it. Uh, WTM soonish soonish. All right. Well, since, uh, we haven't recorded since, well, we haven't recorded recent recently seen since October. So I've been watching a lot of horror films and saw a new one from 1982, or I should say I <laughs> I watched one from 1982 for the first time. It's called The House on Sorority Row, directed by Mark Rossman, starring Kate McNeil, Eileen Davidson, Janice Ward, Robin Malloy, Harley Jane Kozak, Jody Draghi. Ellen Dorsher, Lois Kelso Hunt, Michael Kuhn. I think they'll do it for cast. Synopsis. After a seemingly innocent prank goes horribly wrong, a group of sorority sisters are stalked and murdered one by one in the sorority house while throwing a party to celebrate their graduation. This being a early 80s slasher, it is definitely influenced by other slashers of its era I'd say in mostly good ways uh it doesn't straight up copy everything i think they do enough in here to kind of make it its own it can stand on its own but um there's a lot of fun practical effects uh the, the prank that they're talking about i guess i won't spoil it but 
they got the biggest laugh out of me. Uh, not the prank itself, just like somebody's reaction <laughs> to like a there's a gun that misfires, and a woman's reaction to it is just it was the hardest I laughed in probably a month. <laughs> <laughs> pretty it's a pretty close knit group of girls who just want to have fun but their house mother is kind of a real bee real stickler for yeah. no party and no alcohol and there's one sorority sister that's you know kind of like all right guys let's follow the rules let's listen to the house mother she's nice that sort of a thing but yeah they have a plan to put one over on the house mother and still go through with the party you know, she's supposed to be out of town, but she, she surprises them. <laughs> um, there's also a, let's see if I can find the name of the group. I never heard of the group, but uh, a lot of the music is is from a band that appears in the movie. It's a, a band they hired a, for the party, hmm. but it's, they've got like a cult following I was reading about. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I, I've seen this movie a couple of years ago. I might have even reviewed it on the podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, like I don't remember a lot of specifics, and we we kind of talked about the other day. Like this is one of like a half dozen sorority based horror movies that came out like that same year. But I yeah. think this one this one probably is the one that stood the test of time the most. Is what it seems like, mm-hmm. and I, it was remade. At least once. I think it might even got a sequel to the remake. But I'm not 100% sure on that. So the film's music score was written by Richard Band. Let's see here. There's no relation to Charles Band that I can tell. <laughs> okay, that was a score. It was written by him, performed by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Uh, but the band Four Out of Five Doctors appears in the movie, performing several of their songs. Never heard of them. They're a DC-based power pop band. I've only heard of the uh, their appearance in several chewing gum commercials. <laughs> exactly. I guess that would be dentists. They scored an 82 on Dick Clark's American Bandstand. <laughs> <laughs> They're on tour with Van Halen, tour with Hall & Oates, Cindy Lauper, open for The Clash, The Cars. So they were kind of a... I've heard of all those bands. Yeah, underground, that band that never really made it big, but some people love them. Nobody listens to this show, I'm sure, but thought I'd throw it out there. A little fun fact. Still might. He'd probably got their <laughs> CDs or whatever. Because <laughs> they're vinyls. Or their cassettes, maybe. Well, Can't listen to it in your car. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that right, Stu? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. There's some very similar elements from other slashers of the of the era, but um, I like the story. The performances are fun. Good special effects. Good score. Decent music. I got a a very limited edition uh, Blu-ray release from Scorpion releasing or Scorpion uh, something or other. As well as one of sixteen hundred printed, the special edition Blu-ray. Is it very expensive? Is it worth lots of money? Uh, apparently because i bought it used at uh, cheapo and it was not cheapo it's 30 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ so for used blu-ray that's a lot i tell you what i would not pay 30 dollars for that blu-ray 
like uh, the movie is what it is but i i don't think it's a 30 dollar yeah <laughs> but, but it's the, your it's your money and uh <laughs> you can do what you want with it the transfer looks terrific it's a great looking blu-ray i bought it sight unseen so some of it was me betting on the fact that i'm probably gonna like it that's crazy man i i could never do that i can yeah, well, never I mean, pay, pay that much for a movie i've never seen i take chances it's uh that's why i can't buy arrow movies because like I've, I've never seen <laughs> yeah. any of these movies and they're all 35 bucks like i don't know i can't do it yeah i wait till they're on sale and i still have to pay 20 you <laughs> <laughs> gonna pay five dollar shipping to get it off their thursday yeah site. well i usually do it through amazon I think if they have it on Amazon, they bake the five dollar shipping into the price on Amazon because it's really? sometimes it's like extra. It, it it costs more on Amazon than it is does on Arrow. They have an Arrow display shelf in uh, Barnes and Noble. I always look at them there, and I mean Barnes and Noble is overpriced usually, anyways. But with certain things like Criterion, you know it's going to be forty dollars for Blu-ray, fifty for a four K, right. unless it's on sale which is the same on the website. So it seems like it's pretty similar. Arrow's pricing is very similar. And which Barnes and Noble you go on to the mall of America. Okay. I'll have to try that one sometime because none of the other ones I've been to have movies anymore. Yeah. You got to go to that one or uh, the one in uh, Burnsville still has. Okay. Movies. I know Zolly frequents it. Uh, I've seen pictures of him in it. <laughs> <laughs> What he poses with criterions that he, he hasn't bought. <laughs> he he often at least takes pictures outside of the Barnes and Noble. Yes, <laughs> right inside it too, I guess. But um, yeah, those two. I can't remember if the Eden Prairie Center one has movies. So I think I I went there during one of the recent Criterion sales, and they had like a a mini display of new releases but uh, no criterion stuff that i could see mm. like they had like ambulance and uh mm. like stuff that came out in like the first half of the year i just i just got an ambulance on 4k for 10 bucks there you go worth it it's streaming. ambulance soonish soonish <laughs> <laughs> and it's a michael bay i don't even like michael bay that much and <laughs> But it's been so long since there's been a good action movie. No, you're starved for action. He does a lot of them drone shots where like they they like fly up to the top of a building and then just like nosedive down the side of it and then they they come back up right before they hit the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Like there's a ton of shots like that. Any references to his other movies in it? It's hilarious. I'll rate the house and sorority row. And eventually, eventually, but I will say I'm not disappointed. I bought it for that price. Now, after having seen it, I wouldn't say, oh, I'm going to buy that for 30, but it is a very limited edition, hard to find right. print on Blu-ray. Good special features, immaculate uh, transfer. And uh, yeah, so I'll, like, I'll, I'll pay a little premium for something that, few people have well i'm sure you'll watch it again uh, probably yeah. at least a few times yeah heck we might even do an episode on it at some point we might there's a like i would say 
if there wasn't like this special super if there was just like a normal special edition blu-ray yeah i would not like if i had seen the movie i would not pay 30 dollars on amazon to get it yeah probably not i'd probably wait till it's like 15 like i don't know if i'd pay 20 <laughs> but you could say hey nobody has this right very few people so yeah um let's hear your thoughts on evil dead evil dead 2013 the remake uh directed by fede alvarez who we love on this show right we sure. talked about don't breathe and texas chainsaw massacre 2022 story by i don't think we can list that though with fede since he only has a producing credit god i hate how they did the fucking thing on imdb because uh, <laughs> if that's the case you got to talk about don't breathe too <laughs> he's producer on that actually i've only seen don't breathe is the only movie i've seen from him other than evil dead yeah but i'm saying like if you include texas chainsaw as one of his not well then you gotta include don't breathe really. too <laughs> not really one of his yeah. <laughs> he was involved at some point yeah what that involvement was i don't know you apparently wrote the story and then they probably changed it and he was too deep to take his name off it well they have to give the story credit somewhere they don't have to but well uh, if yeah if he was that bent out of shape well they they probably my name away but that's what i mean like they, they were probably too deep into the process that they couldn't take his name off of it like tarantino with uh natural born killers you know he has a, still has a story by credit but i think he insisted on that it's not, my not being a screenplay it's not my screenplay <laughs> yeah just a story anyways uh evil dead stars jane levy shiloh fernandez lou taylor pucci jessica lucas elizabeth blackmore and then uh, a handful of people who are in the first scene. Um, a couple of people. There's a toothless redneck, a long-haired redneck. Anyways, that's a, that's a good enough for the cast. Synopsis. Five friends head to a remote cabin where the, the discovery of a book of the dead leads them to unwittingly summon up demons living in the nearby woods. So I had heard good things about this. Um, as opposed to other more recent uh, horror uh, franchise remakes, which uh, have been panned, and I'll say it, it's it's very good. It's a very good movie. I I really liked it. It's a lot more serious than all the other Evil Dead installments, which I assume is intentional to you know set it apart. Um, they do a lot of things differently than in the other movies too. Um, it's very much its own thing. Um, although it does have the the basic elements of Evil Dead, like it's clearly an Evil Dead movie, but like I said, it's it's unique in that it doesn't copy like a bunch of stuff from the other movies. Um, one of the things I really liked is the basic setup to get them to the cabin is it's a drug intervention to get one of the characters off of, I believe it's probably heroin. I would guess. Um, yeah. 
And so like they're expecting her to have severe withdrawal symptoms over this long weekend. It's a great way to set up a movie about demonic possession because, you know, like they're just going to write it off as with, you know, withdrawal symptoms Mm -hmm. and uh, which they do, you know, and it's, uh, it's really, it's really clever. Like I, like I'm, I'm surprised nobody else has thought of that before. I've never seen that in a movie before. We're going to throw in a wrench here. Like they're going to get possessed, but since they're coming off of drugs, people are going to think it's a, a drug thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the special effects are really good. I think we talked about there's there's a lot of um, practical effects. Some of the there's some CGI in there, but the CGI is pretty seamless. Like it looks really good. Um, one of the one of the negatives, I guess, it, is it looks a lot like a lot of movies from its time. Like it's kind of washed. The colors are kind of washed out. It's kind of dark throughout, although they they kind of set that up as a, a juxtaposition against like the the final scenes where it's just uh, red. <laughs> to, to not spoil it too much. Yeah, but yeah, I was I was uh, I was really happy with it, and uh, you know I was kind of going back and forth: is this an eventually or a soonish? And I, I think it is definitely one of the better horror movies of that time of the the early to mid uh, teens. Uh, maybe that ten year stretch between like twenty thirteen and or uh, you know twenty two thousand eight and two thousand eighteen five years on either end and uh, I, I think it's worth seeing soonish soonish i would agree with that yeah it's one of the better remakes uh you'll see even regardless of genre i'd say it's got like what a lot of really good remakes have where it, it pays homage to the original but it takes it in a new direction and makes itself its own unique uh individual thing right and just thinking of it now, you know, you mentioned the color and that's kind of washed out, you know, it does have a real seventies feel or like late seventies, early eighties feel, especially with some of the clothes, like the clothes that Eric is wearing. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what the time frame was because their cars seemed like they're probably from the nineties. Yeah. And nobody really had cell phones or anything like that. Yeah, I was just, I was just going to ask you, I don't remember there being a lot of scenes or anything with cell phones i don't think I mean, you could say they're useless because they're way out in the woods and they don't, there's no reception but like i don't remember seeing a lot of cell phone use yeah i was i was trying to think you know like is, does this take place in the 90s because it, it seems like it probably does yeah because yeah there's there's nobody has you know cell phones or anything like that um there's there's really no advanced technology at all um then like they are out in the middle of the woods to to dry out their friend mm-hmm. so um i don't know maybe that was intentional but yeah it, it was kind of unclear of what era this this takes place in you know almost like a rob zombie 70s feel <laughs> with the mise-en-scene well it's uh, you, you it's funny you bring that up 
I don't know how many times I watched a House of a Thousand Corpses before I finally I, I had seen it at least once and I I must have missed or forgotten that it says at the beginning it's set in the 70s because I just assumed it was set in modern day mm. and then when I saw The Devil's Rejects and it was set in the 70s uh, I was so confused <laughs> Because it picks up like immediately after House of a Thousand Corpses. And part of that is because in, in the House of a Thousand Corpses, Rob Zombie put his own music on the soundtrack. And then, um, if I'm not mistaken, when he went to go shoot De- Devil's Rejects, his band quit on him. And so he couldn't record new music for the soundtrack. So he had to go use like music actual music from the 70s and everybody gives him shit about it because he he went kind of um obvious with like Freebird and stuff like that yeah but like i love that i thought it was great but definitely the uh the aesthetic of the first movie to the second movie like it it feel the first one feels much more of a modern uh movie uh whereas the second one feels much more of that era of the 70s and with the evil dead the 2013 movie it's like i said it's not really clear because it's it could basically take place in any era yeah and they wear a lot of i mean they wear some clothes that can't even really place like the one dude has a letter jacket and those have looked the same for 50 years you know yeah and um I mean, Eric's wearing a like a flannel pattern shirt that looks to be from the late seventies. He has the glasses that are also kind of the older style. I mean, yeah, I but those are like timeless. Like, yeah, like I have glasses like that now. And <laughs> well, yours are I'd they'd say smaller. They're similar, but um, but like even in the nineties, like it was cool to to. Um, reminisce about the 70s. The grunge thing. Yeah. It's a grunge thing. Grunge. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> um, and then Jane Levy's character, she's got a Michigan State sweater on for uh, at least the first part of the movie, which I don't know. It, that seemed more modern too. Um, but I don't know. Like it's, if I had a guess, I would say it takes place in the 90s, but. You know, it could take place in 2013. Who knows? Good. I don't think it makes a difference. I think it's, you know, well done either way. All right. Well, uh, what are you going to challenge me to watch for next time? This is a challenge. I'm going to challenge you to a movie that is currently on Amazon Prime. And I'm hoping I'm hoping it continues to be on Amazon Prime for at least another month. And I watched it a few years ago. And I, I, I can't remember if I reviewed it on the podcast or not. I might have. But yes, it's, we probably won't record this until January, the next recently seen episode. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can get to it before the end of December. Uh, yeah. Just in case. But um it's a movie called Down from 2001, and it stars Naomi Watts, and um, 
a handful of other pretty well-known people, but uh, it's, I remember it being one of the worst movies I've ever seen, <laughs> but I've been wanting to rewatch it for a couple of years now. And it's, I don't think I, it's not on Blu-ray and I don't, it, it might be on DVD or something, but um, I've been tempted to buy it if, if it ever became available on Blu-ray. Um, but I, I just want to share it with Eric to see. Is this so, so bad? So it's good. So, it's so, so yeah, so I can, <laughs> so I can watch it again. I have an excuse to watch it again. And also, is it the worst movie ever in a bad way or in a good way? Okay. All right. I don't mind those. It's a little M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. But it's, uh, it's actually, it's a remake of a, I want to say Swedish movie, but it's written and directed by the same guy that did the original. Did Shyamalan plagiarize it when he did Devil? I think he just wrote that, but I can't remember if I can't remember how similar similar it is. But yeah, did Shyamalan write Devil or did he just? Yeah, I think he just it? wrote it. I know he didn't direct it, but I can't remember if he if he wrote it or was just the producer. Mm. Pretty sure he acts in it too. That was an okay movie. Yeah, I never saw it. It's decent. You'll get, you'll have to watch it after you watch Down, so you can answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. I think they're similar, but they're they're both about elevators. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll kind of wrap up the show a little bit, and then if you want to stick around, we'll get into some more spoilery filled. A discussion on evil dead so brett where can people find some lovely merchandise that they can purchase and in turn help out the show you can go to it used to be really easy to remember it's um you to get merch you can go to wtm watch this movie.creator-spring.com all right you can reach out to us you can follow us on twitter at watch this underscore movie or bread at positively wolf one that is also uh, how you find his letterbox profile uh mine is under eric underscore molder you can email us at watch this movie at yahoo.com uh check out our website at wtm watch this movie.com and please rate and review subscribe on apple podcast stitcher spotify and many other podcast apps. So, uh, yeah, with this remake, Jane Levy is basically playing the same characters in Don't Breathe, feels like. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't like a big druggie in Don't Breathe, but uh, equally horrible uh, upbringing, I guess. <laughs> or traumatic. You know, she's it's traumatic she, in this one because they, uh, they lost their mother, right? Yeah. There's down a, a pathway of... Their mother had some kind of mental illness and uh, dementia or something like that. And Jane Levy's character had to stay with her as she was dying and her brother was nowhere to be found. Mm -hmm. He had just started a job. She called me David for a whole day sometimes. And to pretend to be you. She didn't have a ladybug to keep her company in this one. (laughs) God. It's the last time I'm gonna mark my body. It was like the you waited until like the 17th tattoo to make a the ladybug one. 
never ask somebody for the story behind their tattoos. <laughs> never. Actually, they did a whole Kirby enthusiasm about that. Do you remember that? He asked his assistant what her tattoo was about, and she said it was personal. Oh, and so yeah. Larry, Larry kept grabbing at her, and she uh, she me tooed him. That was uh, Jillian from Workaholics, right? No, she was the one that had the uh, bare midriff. Yeah, the bare midriff. Okay. Larry slipped off a roof and used her muffin top to save himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one where her mom had a picture of Jesus in the bathroom and Larry uh, had a urinary problem where he peed really hard and it splashed the picture and made it look like Jesus was crying. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was a miracle. <laughs> And then they found out later that it was Larry's piss on the cut. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I forget who it was that played the... Uh, it was in the... Uh, I think it was the most recent season, actually. Okay, I only saw the first episode of the most recent season. Because it was... Uh, he ends up opening a coffee shop next to Coffee Joe out of spite. Yeah, I think he did that in the last, uh, last season. And... Um, he gives this lady a scone. She's suing him for sexual harassment because he kept grabbing at her to look at her tattoo because she wouldn't tell him about it. And uh, he gives her one of his dry ass scones and she chokes on it and she goes into a coma. Yeah. And then uh, she can't remember what happened. So he, so the lawsuit gets dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Jane Levy, she seems like she's with, these two movies she's like that she's the cute girl next door that you want to help or yeah. change you want to fix her and then marry her the <laughs> the better version <laughs> but um yeah she uh she's got that that role nailed down pretty well i thought it was yeah a nice little twist like you think i guess the brother's gonna be the new ash and it's no, it's a final girl situation. She kind of comes back from comes back from the dead. Yeah. That was different. I wasn't uh really expecting that. Yeah. Um I thought it was interesting too that they so like in the other evil dead movies, like you don't see the evil dead until somebody's possessed. In the in this movie, it was basically like a reflection of themselves was the uh visualization of the actual like demon. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Um, and then obviously think... her killing the demon at the end, right? With the chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think they handled the tree rape scene? <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty good tree rape scene, I got I to gotta say. <laughs> from a, from a uh, creativity standpoint and, uh, you know, actually pulling it off. I mean, it's you call it a tree rape scene. I guess technically it is, but it's like the thing just went up her like it was a snake and it yeah just, it technically uh, wasn't from the tree is from that reflection. it really like came out of her mouth out of the demon's mouth or something yeah so the tree participated the tree held her down it's like the accused <laughs> actually it was it was an active participant the the accused was about the uh the people who didn't step in to help mm-hmm I forget. Doesn't she lose the case? I no, she must win the case. No, she wins it. I think so. But it was, yeah, I can't remember who she. Uh, I can't remember who the the defendants were in the case. 
if it was the actual rapist or uh, one of the people for not doing anything. Did she, but, she, they don't, they don't charge like the twenty people in the bar. No, there's like four or five people that they, they charge for not stepping in. Yeah, but there was more than that at the bar. I think it was just people in the vicinity that were cheering on. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I just always come back to Borat calling it, <laughs> talking about his favorite American movies, and he always goes. And the sex comedy, The Accused. <laughs> <laughs> I can never find that clip online. It's like they scrubbed it from YouTube. And I, I don't remember what... what like Sir Sasha Baron Cohen's the one who scrubbed it. I can't and remember which, which skit it was in. I don't think it was in the movie. I watched the movie a few months ago, and I don't think it was in there. But I know he used it in at least one or two skits on the, the Ollie G show. I just don't want to go watch the whole series again to figure out which one it is. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else what else was good in the Evil Dead. Um, so the camera work was 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 good. I like the cinematography. It you know, it's kind of big shoes to fill when you're yeah. making Evil Dead with the with the camera work. It's definitely not. It's not as gimmicky as the original. Yeah, but like you have the the uh, iconic shots of the the camera moving through the woods and Mm -hmm. like they do a couple of homages with the camera work. But I mean, yeah, overall, it's 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 really well done. And kind of like the the little montages, the little like like the almost, I guess I'll describe it like the matter of fact photography when they're zooming in on. Like the chainsaw and like everything she needs to do to needs to get the gas can and the chainsaw and the, right. you know, the camera's like it, it zooms in real close and it's very quick editing. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked when they did that stuff. It kind of harkens back to the original series. And we talked about when we talk about don't breathe, he him doing stuff like that with the camera in that movie too. Yeah, moving through the house. Yeah. Pretty good with that. I really like the imagery in here. Like the, the color stuff didn't really bother me. Well, I, I it didn't. I won't say it necessarily bothered me. It just, I, I feel like I've been watching. I must have been watching movies from around that era, and they all kind of mm-hmm. look that same way. Yeah, it's it's very much of the era for sure. And I, I really I love the imagery, especially in the, in the third act. It's very cool how the 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 demon or deadite whatever you want to call it kind of comes out of the ground it's raining blood everything's yeah. red i thought that was done really well why well, I, I thought it was cool too because like everything happened it was prophesized in the book and so like it would happen and then they would show it the book had predicted it what all what did she all go through um like the the tree uh the forest attacking her was in there um her scalding herself with boiling water was in there which was kind of more practical way of getting the boils and the messed up skin yeah as opposed to just like that happens when you get possessed then the the other girl got possessed and she started cutting her face yeah Eric survived some harrowing situations mm-hmm. after unleashing everything. 
I like how like Bundar. after it all happened, like he just he's just like I'm gonna read this book, even though there's a million warnings <laughs> not to do it. And uh, and then like everything starts happening, and he realizes what he did. And then after about you know ten things come true based on what the book is predicting, he's like, you know, I feel like this is partially my fault. <laughs> I feel like I'm at least a, a little bit to blame for this. Yeah, I recognize that. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but the guy who plays Eric is on that show Physical that I watch on Apple TV Plus. He plays a kind of a surfer stoner dude. Oh yeah. So he's uh, he's cut out for that. He has long hair in there too. No glasses though. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really recognize him from anything. I don't know what else he's done. I thought the the brother looked kind of familiar, but he might just have one of those faces. Yeah. Oh, the guy that played Eric was in Southland Tales. Ooh. What was this character's name in Southland Tales? Martin Kefauver. Mm. I don't remember who that was. No. I watched the uh, can cut of Southland Tales earlier this year, and I put it, I put the Blu-ray right back at the bottom of my watch pile because I gotta go watch the uh, theatrical cut again to get the stink out of the, the stink mm-hmm. of the can cut out of my mouth. Yeah, and I think the last time we talked about it, I, I think I misspoke when I said the can cut was the unfinished cut. He initially sent. Uh, I think you called it a work print, which was like 70 minutes long or something. It was just like, or maybe it was longer, but it was just basically footage he had shot, called it a working print, submitted it to can for, you know, for consideration. And they said, yeah, you know, by the time can started, I think he had a cut. Yeah. And so the can it, cut was what longer than the theatrical by yeah, it's like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, that sounds about right. But um, yeah, his director's cuts aren't good, as we discussed. <laughs> don't you don't need to watch the Donnie Darko director's cut. It just it doesn't ruin the movie. It just does not improve it in the slightest way, it's and it actually not... taints it just a little bit. So there's no reason to watch it. So I felt like that with the Southland Tales director's cut because it's like. It, things are in a different order and it doesn't flow as well. And um, I don't know. It just, it's not as good of a movie. Yeah. Like it's, it, it needed somebody else to cut it together in a way that was more fluid and coherent and mm-hmm. that just worked better. But I like, I like his movies. Yeah. Like, just quickly. Well, other than Donnie Darko, but. I might have to try that one again at some point. Um, but I like Southland Tales. I like The Box. Mm-hmm. That was his other one, right? The Box. Yeah. Although The Box is based on a uh, Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with Evil Dead? It would have been cool if the, their Fede and Raimi's vision would have been realized. Because this was semi-popular when it came out. It was not a bomb in the least. It may not have been a massive hit, but they were planning for a sequel. They're going to do a sequel to this and a sequel to Army of Darkness. And then once those two sequels happened, they were going to do a crossover event with Ash and Mia 
and you said there's a post credit se- post credit yeah. sequence with Evil yeah, Dead with I was just, I was just gonna, yeah I was just gonna say that we didn't mention there's a there's about a two second scene at the end of the credits and it's it's like a close up in profile of Ash Williams in like shadows and he just kind of turns and goes groovy and that's it (laughs) (laughs) and it's like well is it setting something up or is that just like a you know uh, an easter egg for fans of the the original series yeah but they 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 obviously did ash versus evil dead and that basically ignored this remake yeah, it was in development hell, both sequels forever. And so finally they just ended up doing that series on stars, which also ended too early. <laughs> what a season too early. They didn't achieve all they wanted to achieve with that. Uh, it was canceled. Well, they, they wrapped it up weird. They wrapped it up with Ash going to the future or something like that. Yeah, but they were, I um, mean, I liked where it was entered i thought it was entertaining where they left with it like oh the next season could be really fun yeah and then it was nope stars canceled it and yeah, i mean the viewership was not good partly because it was on stars well yeah but or was it showtime no it was stars was it stars i used to have star you know it was stars Aren't they? Uh, there's a new Evil Dead movie coming out next year, isn't there? Yeah, Evil Dead Rise. And I don't think Bruce is, is in that one either. He's not. Is a new a new reboot, which you know disappoints me. I mean, I hope hopefully this new one's good, but you know I liked this remake, and uh, of course I liked the original series. So I would have liked to have seen where that went, but I guess we got some of it with um, Ash versus Evil Dead, but. Yeah, we'll see about this new one. It takes place in an apartment complex, so that's a little odd. I mean, with with Ash versus Evil Dead, they open it up to the whole world. Yeah. Um. So, like, you're not you're not stuck at the same old cabin for every movie anymore. Sure. Um, even with Army of the Darkness or Army of Darkness, like <laughs> they went they yeah. went back to medieval times. Like, so, like, mm-hmm. you can go anywhere, anytime with this. Yeah. Um. And basically, all you need to do is like have the have the book of the dead and some deadites, and mm-hmm. like it's a it could be an evil dead story. So yeah, um, you just need to have the basic elements, and then it, like I said, sometimes it's better when you just make the rest of it your own. Like don't don't worry about copying what's already been done. Yeah. So we shall see, but uh, yeah, I think. That'll do it. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case.